0: This is Out of Office for Tuesday, the 19th of November, 2013, video conferencing. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you?
1: Not too bad, Gihan. Just getting over a cold, so I have to apologize in advance to our audience for sounding congested.
0: Yeah, you do sound a little bit congested, but it's not too bad, and I hope that uh, you're you're at the tail end of it. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about video conferencing, which is quite ironic given that this is an audio program that we're recording. But video conferencing is something that that is growing in popularity, and it's something that a lot of -of out-of-office workers could be using if they're not already using it. So today, we're going to talk about how to use it, when to use it, some of the principles of using it, and even touch on some of the tools in the software.
1: Absolutely. And I know, Gihan, that you like to introduce topics with the three whys, the why you, why this, and why now. So why don't I start with the why you, which talks about uh, who video conferencing is for. So if you're an out-of-office worker, you might be a member of a virtual team, whether that's uh, within the same organisation or whether you're uh, an outsourced, outsourced contractor like me. Uh, if you're in a virtual team, you're all working remotely, then a video conference, conferencing provides a way for you to all get together and communicate. If you're a digital nomad, then obviously you're going to be needing to work remotely and communicate with your clients, your colleagues and your suppliers. So video conferencing can be used in those circumstances. If you're the manager of a virtual team, then uh, a good way of building team rapport and uh, getting better engagement is to use video conferencing because you can all see each other and that, that adds to the social engagement of your team members. And then in general, anyone who is working remotely, uh, video conferencing can be used for you to uh, when you're on the road to communicate with your team members and with your colleagues.
0: Yeah, great. And and we've used the word video conferencing a few times already, Chris. So I guess we should de- define what it is and contrast that with some of the other tools that are available. So um, in summary, it's a whole bunch of people getting together uh, where they can see each other's faces and it's done online. So uh, there are two categories that you can define it in. And one is high bandwidth and the second one's high interactivity. And what I mean by that is high bandwidth means that we can actually see people, not just hear them. So you can see what's uh, we can see them on screen, and high interactivity means that all the participants do tend to interact. Unlike, say, a presentation where there's one person presenting, and the rest of the audience generally sits there fairly passively. So if we contrast that with a few other things, so if you if you look at high bandwidth first. So, video is high bandwidth, whereas something like audio, which is an audio teleconference, is lower bandwidth because you can hear the person on the other end and you can hear the other participants in the meeting, but you don't get to see them. Um, similarly, if you look at interactivity, I gave that example already. So, how, a video conference has high interactivity because all the participants do get to engage and interact. Whereas, if you have something like a webcast or a webinar, some sort of presentation, there may be only one person presenting but the others don't interact except when they're asking questions or occasionally they get the chance to speak. So video conferencing is both high bandwidth and high interactivity. And some things that are specifically different from, and sometimes the terminology does get mixed up and you hear people using these terms interchangeably, but sometimes you hear people talk about video chat and that's generally one-on-one. So it might be you talking to somebody else uh, with FaceTime. So you make a phone call, but you can see them as well. Um, it's not teleconferencing, which is generally reserved for just audio. It's the same concept, but with just audio. And it, a couple of other t- concepts or words that are used. Webcasting is one that's used. And that is generally where you see people's faces, but it tends to be, again, only the presenter's face. So webcasting or webinars, you can see the presenter's face, but not everybody else's. So in contrast to all of those, video conferencing, as I said, is many to many. So it is high interactivity and it's video, which is high bandwidth. I hope that didn't confuse people, but the the idea is (laughs) that uh, it really is like you get to see, you get to see a whole bunch of people and you're all engaging equally. Absolutely.
1: And uh, some benefits arise from that high bandwidth, high interactivity as well, compared with some of the other communications tools that uh, that you mentioned, Gihan. I think the main benefit comes from the fact that you've got this, this video channel, this visual dimension where you can see the people you're communicating with and they can see you. So for instance, um, because you're being seen, there are all these subtle visual cues that you get from video that you don't necessarily get from audio. So things like uh, you can see people's facial expressions, their body posture and any physical gestures that they might be making whilst they're communicating. And that helps to improve your understanding compared with if you were just listening to audio from them. And similarly, they can see that from you when you're communicating with them. uh, So that helps you convey your message to them even better. And it's not necessarily while they're talking as well. It's like, I can see your reaction to what I'm saying, so I might be able to see that you're a little confused or a bit upset by what I'm saying, and therefore, you know, that, that's just a dimension that I'm not going to get if we're communicating by audio or text. So it really does improve the level of understanding in your communications when you've got that, that visual dimension, that video channel. In addition to that, um, it can improve the social communicate the, the social connection and rapport between the people who are engaged in the conference. So some research shows that about a third of people who work out of office do uh, suffer a bit from the isolation that's associated with um, with remote working. And so something like a video conference can help to improve the engagement of the team members, um, can sort of combat some of that uh, that feeling of isolation when they get to see the people that they're working with in a virtual team uh, on, say, a weekly basis or, or some other regular interval. And finally, with uh, with this visual dimension, you get a, a deeper level of engagement because uh probably all felt it when you're in, say, an audio conference, you might uh, lose focus, you might drift off, you might be tempted to uh, maybe get distracted, check your mobile phone or something. But if you're actually aware that you're being seen by the members, the other people in the in the conference and that you can see them, then that tendency, that, temptant, that, that temptation to drift off and lose focus is less likely because you know that people are going to be able to see that you're actually not engaged and that you're checking Facebook. Uh, so that temptation, that tendency is less likely with video conferencing.
0: Yeah, it's exactly like you're sitting in a meeting room with a whole bunch of people, isn't it? There are, if you do want to check your phone, you have to do it surreptitiously under the desk. And knowing that people may glance over and see you doing that. And so it's the same with video conferencing. Uh, a lot of the things that you've talked about, Chris, they're so talking about the visual cues, the social connection and that engagement. It, video conferencing gives you some of those same features that you would get with an in-person meeting where you're sitting around a table.
1: Exactly, exactly, yeah.
0: Yes. And as, as you said, we're going to talk about the three whys to start with. So we've talked about why you and why this. Let's now talk about why now. So why are we talking about this topic now? And why is video conferencing popular now? And I, I think the biggest thing is, is simply it's time has come. Uh, it, there was a time when video conferencing was a bit clunky, but now it's it's quite easy to use. It, it works quite well and it's become widespread. And I reckon... Any sort of technology adoption tends to go through a number of phases. So it starts off being impractical, then feasible, then attractive, and then preferable. So impractical is in the early days when only the early adopters will use it because it is a bit clunky. It doesn't always work. There's often technical problems with it. But some people will use it because they're they're willing to work through that, but not many will. Then it starts, the technology improves, it starts becoming feasible where other people start using it. So it starts moving into the mainstream. It's not quite mainstream yet, but the technology improves. There are uh, workarounds to some of the problems. Uh, There's more experience with the people using it. So it has become feasible. And then after that, it goes into that attractive phase where it really then does become a viable alternative to whatever else you were using in the past. And when we talk about video conferencing, the two things that it was competing with were, one, actual in-person meetings, so people sitting in a meeting room, and two, audio conferencing. And now video conferencing has has passed that attractive stage where it's become a viable alternative. And now for some organizations, it's actually become preferable. It is now the choice. So rather than saying, we'll use a video conference because we can't get together in person, people will say, we'll use a video conference because it's better than getting together in person. And uh, especially when we're talking about virtual teams and distributed teams, so Out-of-office workers, you mentioned them already, Chris, sometimes it is actually preferable. So I think video conferencing, now its time has come. It has now become sometimes a preferable choice, and if it's not preferable, it's still an attractive choice.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Gihan. So so why has that come about? Well, I think partly because things like the hardware and software for supporting video conferencing have become ubiquitous, reliable, and affordable. So whereas previously, if you wanted to hold a video conference, in that kind of feasible phase that you talked about, Kihan, if you wanted to hold a video conference, you'd have to go to a special video conferencing room where they had all the hardware and technology set up in order to do that. But these days, you can now find um, the a webcam is built into your, your notebook, or if you've got a tablet or a smartphone, then that has a built-in camera with pretty high video resolution that can support video conferencing, and it's built-in. Um, it's it's not a specialist bit of hardware that you need. And then there's uh, software that is free to download and install. Like uh, we'll talk about them later, but things like Google Hangouts, for instance, uh, are there. Uh, they're just one click away, and they they install, and away you go. You don't need to go and purchase expensive software in order to support video. Conferencing. So um, it's moved away from that feasible, where it was expensive and you had needed dedicated hardware and software, to where that kind of thing is ubiquitous. In addition to that, it's become more affordable, as I said, because of uh, the ubiquity of the hardware and software, especially when you hold that up against the costs of actually bringing people together into one central location to meet face-to-face, where you have to bear the costs of uh, travel, um, so um, accommodation and travel. So it's much, much more affordable than making people travel to one location. And, of course, it's more efficient because uh, people can just do it from their desktops. They don't have to go and organize a, uh, a meeting room. and They don't have to go to the meeting room. They can just fire up the video conferencing software, usually by clicking on a link on their desktop, and away they go. They join the meeting almost immediately.
0: I think the other thing around efficiency, Chris, is that people tend to be more efficient when they're in an online meeting. So you tend not to get that idle chit chat that happens before the meeting because people get there early or you don't tend to get as much banter during the meeting. It doesn't mean that there's there's less rapport, but people do tend to be more efficient because they tend to be there for that purpose.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Kehan. And, and as, you, as we've mentioned a couple of times already, it's becoming necessary because uh, with the rise of telecommuting and out-of-office work becoming a much more prevalent way of working and work style uh, and the fact that teams in organisations are often globally distributed and dispersed, then the need to bring those people together to, to meet regularly is growing and so video conferencing supports that.
0: Great. So I hope we've convinced you of the value of it and and the need for it now. So that's why we've chosen this topic today. And that's why we're talking about it, because it is being used more. And sometimes it's not being used very well. So to benefit from it, you really need to become good at it. Uh, and it's not that hard to do, but there's certain things that, that will help you along the way. So let's talk about so when to use it, so that's the first thing. So we'll talk about the pros and cons of using video conferencing, so when to use and when not to. We'll, look at a little, we'll talk a little bit about the tools, so some of the hardware and software that's available. We won't delve into a lot of the technical details, but we will give you an overview of what's available and also talk about some of the things you should consider when you're looking at hardware and software. And then we'll talk about some actual principles of how to work effectively and function effectively when you're doing video conferencing.
1: Okay, so let's start with when to choose video conferencing compared with other communications channels. And it's it's a pretty important decision, Girhana. That's why we put it first, because it does take quite a bit more effort than say just picking up the phone to call someone or maybe doing a just a, a standard teleconference. So you have to think about uh, whether it's worth the additional effort to engage in a video conference compared with the other communications choices that you have. So, starting with just some general guidelines, obviously everyone needs the video conferencing tools in order for you to engage in a video conference. Now, that's becoming uh, more likely as, as I mentioned, the tools, the software, the hardware is becoming more ubiqu- is becoming ubiquitous. So that sort of thing is supported. In addition, you need sufficient bandwidth. So, you, you mentioned earlier, Gearhan, that because it's video, it's a high-bandwidth communication channel, and so everyone needs to have broadband at the very least in order to support video conferencing. Otherwise, you get all these uh, these kind of st- um, stutters and, and stammers, a bit like the way I speak uh, during the uh, during the conference, and and that can be very distracting and, and detracts from the experience. And of course, it's a synchronous uh, communication style, so everyone is there at the same time, it happens in real time, and so if the style of communication needs to be where all of the people are together at the same time, then a video conference is an appropriate choice, but if it's the sort of communication where it can be done asynchronously, where people can, say, send emails, then uh, perhaps that's a better choice.
0: Yeah, good. Okay, so those are some general guidelines. So now let's look at a couple of situations where video conferencing is competing with alternatives. And as we mentioned earlier, the two main alternatives that that you might use to a video conference are an in-person meeting, where you all get together in a conference room, or an audio teleconference. So the first one, if you let's look at some do's and don'ts. So when should you use a video conference as opposed to getting together in person? So the first one is an obvious one. So when not everyone is in the same office, it makes sense to have a video conference, uh, especially if it involves a lot of travel, and a lot of work to get get everyone into the same office. And that also means that sometimes it means that you could get, like if you have a video, if you have a meeting with eight people and you can get seven of them in the same office, but the eighth person can't, that, eight per, that eighth person might have something really valuable to add to the meeting. And in that case, a video conference might be the better way of doing it because you then bring in their expertise rather than excluding it. The second thing is that we mentioned earlier that video conferencing tends to be more efficient than in-person meetings. So if you just want to have a quick discussion, but it really does involve a whole bunch of people together having the discussion, sometimes a video conference is the best way to do it because it's easy to set up. People can do it from their desks and there isn't that sense that, oh, now we have to go to a meeting. The other thing you actually mentioned earlier, Chris, is quite important is that if you have got a hybrid team, where you've got some people in the office and some people who are virtual team members, and you want to involve those virtual team members equally in discussions, and especially when you, you want to make decisions, a video conference can be the best way of doing that. It's better even than having everybody else get together in the meeting room and have those virtual team members beamed in from you know, from remotely on a screen, because even then they can feel a little bit left out and isolated because everybody else is in the same office, and uh, and they're just sitting there on the in their home office or somewhere else, and just beamed into the meeting. So it can actually level the playing field by bringing everybody into the uh, into the conference in the same way, and you do that through a video conference. So those are some of the advantages of using a video conference over an in-person meeting. But there's some disadvantages as well. There are times when you don't want to do that. Uh, the most obvious one is when there might be another purpose for the meeting apart from just bringing people together to discuss an issue. So if you have an off-site conference or you have some sort of team-building exercise where you actually want people physically there, then obviously a video conference is not going to cut it. And we're not suggesting that a video conference can replace every situation where you have an in-person meeting. And th- those are obvious examples where you don't want to do that because sometimes you bring people together for a conference where they discuss some issues, but they also do some networking in the corridors. They get to meet in person and have informal discussions as well. And the other one is the opposite of what we said earlier. If you want to have a quick discussion, then you might use a video conference. If you're going to have a long meeting, then you might choose to have an in-person meeting. And sometimes you may even choose if people are remote to fly them in because it can be quite tiring to sit in front of a screen on a video conference for a very long meeting. So you have to use your judgment here in whether you actually decide you're going to incur the expense of bringing together people for an in-person meeting if it's going to be quite long.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So that's comparing it with in-person meetings. If we compare teleconference, uh, video conferencing with audio, such as teleconferencing, then a good way of uh, deciding to use video conferencing is where that video, that visual dimension adds value and i spoke earlier about the things that video that the value that video does bring things like the additional visual cues that it provides that are aids to communication compared with things like audio and also i mentioned that the uh, another kind of value that it uh, that it brings is that it increases the rapport between the members of the conference and members of a virtual team and improves personal connection between between members of the of the team and uh, people attending the conference. It also does uh, let people relax a little bit, uh, so become uh, a little less formal than they might otherwise be when they're communicating purely through uh, audio and text channels. On the flip side, there are circumstances where you might want to prefer audio over a video conference and that's circumstances where you're not necessarily in control of the setup that you have. So video conferencing is high bandwidth and uh, it it needs uh, you to control the the circumstances in which you're collecting video and we'll talk about that in a moment. So if you're, for example, on the road and you're not exactly sure where you're going to be when when the conference is being held, then video conference might not be the best choice because you need to be in a circumstance where you're sure that you've got high bandwidth, you're sure that you can set yourself up uh, with the correct lighting and the the correct positioning and that might not always be the case when you're travelling. And there might be circumstances when you don't just choose video conferencing just because you can. Uh, sometimes audio is good enough, and because it takes less effort to set up, it can be preferable. So if you've perhaps got just a quick meeting, maybe a quick uh, weekly review, it might be uh, fine just to have you know uh, an audio conference rather than going to the extra effort of setting up a video conference and all that that entails.
0: Okay, good. So let's say you have decided that you're going to run a video conference, the next thing to do is to think about the tools that you're going to be using. And we talk about the hardware and the software. And I guess one thing we should say leading into this, Chris, is that typically what happens is that once you choose a set of tools, you and your team and your organization will tend to stick to that. So we'll give you some guiding principles here, and that might help you choose some tools, but you tend to let's say 80% of the time, use the same tools. However, there may be times when you want to use some of the others as well. So that's why we'll give you a bit of an overview here to choose from.
1: Yeah, that's right. So uh, there's there's quite a choice and uh, choose what works for you. But essentially, as far as hardware is concerned, obviously you're going to need some kind of camera or web camera, uh, whether that's a desktop webcam or if you're going to be using a tablet or a smartphone, then it's the camera that's built into that device. And a lot of notebooks and PCs come with built-in cameras as well. Another essential piece of hardware is the bandwidth to carry the video and audio channels. As we've said a couple of times already, it's a high bandwidth medium, uh, so you need sufficient bandwidth, so you need broadband in order to support video conferencing. Uh, If you can, use uh, an external Microphone and speakers compared with the uh, built the speakers and microphone that are built into your laptop or PC, if you can, or use a headset. They generally have better quality audio uh, built into them, so choose those in preference. Uh, and as I said, often uh, your uh, your phones and your laptops and your tablets have um, built-in built-in cameras and built-in microphones as well.
0: There's an interesting thing about microphones isn't there Chris because I remember the time years ago where if you had a microphone but you didn't have headphones then you could speak into the microphone everyone else could hear you but when they spoke it came out through your speakers got fed back into the microphone and so there was an echo or that feedback and I don't know if it's a hardware or software fix but that doesn't seem to happen anymore does it?
1: Yeah, I think it's a software thing, Gihan, That um, the software cancels out to the, the the audio coming through the speakers. So yeah, having external speakers doesn't seem to be a problem anymore compared with, say, using a headset.
0: Which also means that if you've got a microphone that sits on your desk, so you can use that, so that you don't you don't look like you're wearing a headset. Because yes. if you're worried about the way your hair looks or your, your face looks when it's surrounded by a headset,
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're just worried about how your face looks.
0: in general, yes. Uh, but that is an option as well. So if you have a microphone sitting on your desk, then you can use the external uh, the internal speakers of your uh, device, so of your computer, but use a microphone on your desk and you, you look like you are like sitting in a normal meeting.
1: Yeah, ge- and generally they're the best quality microphones that you can get out there, those uh, external microphones
0: yeah that's exactly right, exactly. So those are some of the things around the hardware that you might be using, and the software is equally important and There are a number of tools for video conferencing and we're certainly not going to go through them all, and we're not even going to go through any of them in detail but let's let me quickly run through a few of the options available to you and I'm sure there may be others that you may have available in your organization as well. The one that I use most. Is probably the Citrix tool, the go to meeting tool I should say the Citrix is a client of mine, so I should disclose that, but I love their tool, so the go to meeting tool I've been using for years even before they had video, and now they have really high quality video and uh, i 've run some meetings and webinars using. Uh, go to meeting with the videos, and it it works really, really well. And uh, not just for webinars, where you're the one presenter, but for meetings as well, where everybody is participating. The other one that I've used is Google Hangouts, which is Google's free version of video conferencing. So you can have up to 10 people in a video conference. And I use that regularly for actually a couple of mastermind groups now that I host uh, every month. And the video quality is really good. Uh, Google Hangouts is free. And so it's available to anyone with a Google account, which is pretty much anybody. There are a couple of other commercial options as well, just like GoToMeeting. There's WebEx and Adobe Connect. So those also offer video conferencing facilities. And and the features, there's generally a core set of features that all these tools have. And then there are some extra features that you might want for certain things. So it's, it's nice if you also have things like screen sharing with your video conferencing tool, because then in the middle of a meeting, You could share a document on your screen or you could share a spreadsheet uh, and actually do stuff in it and other people in the conference can see what you're doing. And the other option is Skype. So Skype is tends to be used for one-to-one calls, but it does have the ability to have video as well. So it tends to be used for one-to-one audio calls, but it does have video as well. And the paid version of Skype allows you to have video conference calls as well. As I said, there's a range of options available to you. You just have to look at the features available and also what's going to be convenient for the other participants in the call. Okay. Okay, so we've looked at the hardware and the software. So let's now look at the more personal side of it. So some principles that you can use to make your video conferences more effective. And this is not specifically about the technology, but it's about the the functionality of your meeting and making the meeting work effectively.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I think uh, one of the important things is to check your surroundings. So not only can people see you, when you're in a video conference, but they can also see the room that you're in, the environment that you're in. So think about what else they can see and uh, make sure you do a little bit of tidying up. So if you've got a messy desk or a messy background, if you've got a clothes drying rack in the background, probably a good idea to move that to a different room. And in addition to that, there's, there's other things like how you position yourself relative to the camera. So there are things like lighting issues. So make sure that you don't have a bright window directly behind you because then all people will be able to see is your silhouette. Make sure that uh, where you're sitting relative to the camera actually captures you and not the top of your head or the bottom half of your head and, and those sorts of things. So check your surroundings, where you're sitting relative to the camera, how how the room is lit, how you are lit. Those sorts of things all help with uh, getting yourself set up.
0: Yeah, that it- in addition to that, of course, you need to look after yourself as well. So you definitely need to look after your surroundings, but you also need to be presentable when you're on video, and that, of course, does mean that you you look after your hair and makeup if that's important to you. You have to wear clothes, Chris, <laughs> when you when you're on a video conference. So you do need to look at things like grooming, and that that is important, uh, especially for out of office workers, because quite often you might be working from home or working and be dressed very casually, very informally, but. The way you look and the way you're groomed does make an impact. And with video conferencing, it's an obvious visual impact on the way that people look at you and they look at your credibility and your professionalism, which you may not think about because as an out-of-office worker or a member of a virtual team, most of the time people judge you by the quality of your work and the results you achieve. But when you're there in a video conference and people can see your face and you're in a face-to-face meeting, then people do judge you by the way you look as well. So do do think about being presentable.
1: Yeah. And I think it's these things that we're going through now, Gihan, that are, are the additional steps and effort that you have to put into video conferencing uh, compared with things like teleconferencing. So whereas you might have thought, you know, the, the software and hardware side of things are where you've got to put in extra effort, it's actually things about your environment, checking your surroundings, making sure that you're presentable. That's, I think, now where most of the additional effort is when it comes to video conferencing compared with things like audio conferencing.
0: And you're right, Chris, and even with in-person meetings, I mean, some of those things like whether you wear clothes to a meeting, (laughs) (laughs) I think you kind of take that for granted. But in a meeting, if you're sitting there in a meeting room, you generally aren't thinking about your background or the lighting. Mm. You kind of assume that there's a standard sort of background and lighting and those sort of things don't matter when you're in an in-person meeting, but they absolutely do when you're on a video conference.
1: That's right that's right and something that i talked about earlier gihan is this idea that pe- that you can be seen and so people can see whether or not you're distracted so you have to be present you have to be focused you have to avoid temptations even even if the content of the meeting is a bit boring and dull you have to avoid glazing over and uh, checking your smartphone and those sorts of things I think it was you who described to me this uh, the, the, the Facebook gaze where even though you can't see what the other person is doing because they're not in the room with you and you can tell that they might be looking over at a different window on their screen they're actually not looking and engaged in the meeting itself so you, you need to be present you need to stay focused you need to avoid being distracted
0: yeah, it's very easy to pick up those cues, and it might be hard to describe, but people just tend to pick it up subconsciously when you're not paying attention. Especially on a video conference call. I mean, it's true of audio conferences as well. Where um, my friend Neen James, who's a productivity expert, she says that you can tell when people have on, an, on a phone call have got their email voice, where you know they're checking their email yeah. while talking. That's it. And and with email with video conferencing, it's actually even worse. It's it's really obvious when someone's not paying attention. Yep. The other thing is just uh, have a look at the way that others see you. So you can often see what you're going to look like. So you might have a little preview window, a window of what you're going to look like on the video conference call. And I have been on on video conferences where the person's head is chopped off uh, at the top of their head or the bottom of their head, simply because they haven't angled their webcam correctly or angled their camera correctly. Mm-hmm. I've seen cases where, as you said, they're, they're backlit, so they're in darkness. And you can look at yourself, uh, and particularly you can look at yourself before the call starts, and that's the time that we recommend you do that. You set yourself up for the call so that when you're actually there on the call, you can you do look presentable.
1: Yeah, and I think you can see also during the the teleconference itself, you still have a, a little preview window, so you can you can check that periodically to make sure that uh, you, you haven't shifted or something like that. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another thing is to have have a backup or a back channel so um, I'm a bit torn with this one Gearhan. so I think it's good to have a backup because sometimes things can go wrong uh, so you know uh sometimes I've had uh, I've been in audio conferences in teleconferences and I've been booted out for whatever reason not for bad bad behavior but for technical glitches and I usually just go on to IM and uh, send an instant message to to the convener we're generally all on the same IM channel so I can send them a message saying I've, I've been booted out and I'm dialing back in or something like that so it's good to have that back channel I think as a backup but um try and only use it as a backup. Don't, you know, start uh, IMing other people in the meeting while someone else is speaking, that sort of thing. I think that's uh, a bit like having a side conversation in a face-to-face meeting. So I think have a back channel, but use it only as a backup.
0: The, The one last point I want to make about these principles that we're talking about, Chris, and being presentable and making sure your lighting and background is working, that's really important. But the other really important thing is to make sure that your audio is clear because there has been some research into how people interact with video conferencing and with video and how they perceive the quality of the technology. And what they tend to find is that people will tolerate bad video if the audio is clear, but not the other way around. Okay. So you can look really clear, but if your audio is crackly or ecstatic or breaks up, then people will be far less tolerant than the other way around. So even if your lighting isn't perfect or you are not perfectly groomed or you're wearing a T-shirt instead of a suit, that might have an initial bad perception, but people tend to gloss over that as long as your audio is clear. So if you're going to obsess about anything, obsess about the quality of your audio. Fair enough. Okay, so we've covered quite a lot here, Chris, but I still think that we've only given people an an overview rather than going into any detail. But we have got a number of resources available about video conferencing. In fact, there are a lot of resources online, but there are three specifically that that we've put together: uh, two reports that I've written and a past podcast episode. So there, and we'll, we'll provide links to all of these and download links to all of these in the show notes for this podcast episode. So we're uh, a few months ago we did a an episode of the Out of Office podcast about online meetings and the etiquette of online meetings. So that's worth referring back to because that that does refer to that does apply to video conferences as well. And there are a couple of ebooks that I've written for Citrix. Um, so I wrote them in conjunction with Citrix. So one is called The Seven Biggest Mistakes You Can Make in Web Conferences, which is very much on topic with what we talked about today. And the other one is called 10 Tips for Keeping Control of Your Online Meetings. And so both of those are available for free download and we'll have those links available.
1: Yeah, I think we should emphasize those, Gihan, because we've really focused on the uh, the differentiating aspects of video conference today. But there's these um, basic principles that apply to all online meetings that are really important for video conference as well. And and that, that leads into my conclusion, Gihan, and that is that video conferencing, we're going to be using it more and more, so we're going to have to get good at it, and the way to do that is to embrace the technology, something that we say a lot about the things that we discuss. It applies to video conferencing as well, and that's to embrace it so that you can become good at it. Is there anything you'd like to add, Gihan?
0: I think you summarized it pretty well, Chris, and uh, I think particularly to emphasize the importance for out-of-office workers, because it is something that more and more out-of-office workers are being asked to use and can really be a big advantage to them. So a few years ago, being out of office was really like being out of sight, and sometimes that meant being out of mind as well. But if you use video conferencing well, as an out-of-office worker, it can be just as effective as you being in the office.
1: Very good. Would you like to tell people about the out-of-office book, Kihan?
0: Yes, yes. So we should should mention that as we usually do at the end of the podcast. So it's available at outofofficebook.com. And we've got three chapters in there about working together with people. So there is one about cooperating, collaborating, and accommodating other people that you work with within your teams or your clients or colleagues. And those are probably the chapters that are most relevant for you when you're thinking about online meetings and video conferencing. So if you want to get a copy of the book, go to outofofficebook.com. And of course, if you want the links and the resources that we've mentioned in today's podcast episode, you can also go there to outofofficebook.com.
1: Excellent. Well, another excellent podcast, Gihan. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We'll do it again in about a month's time.
0: We will. Thank you.